And we are live. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Jared the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace and Adam Bomb Glancy. How'd that work this week? Sounds pretty good. It's, it flows better. It's, it's growing on you? You, you, you like it a little bit better? Uh, coming to you from Podcast at Ground Zero, episode 26, Damnation Alley. Like we said last week, we're going to be talking about the novel by Roger uh, Zelani. Zelazny. Zelazny. Uh, Damnation Alley, and we're going to be talking about some of the uh, influences uh, for that, uh, or that came from that. You know, there was a movie that came out with uh, George Pappard and Jan Michael Vincent in 1977. Let us not forget Paul Winfield. Yeah, Paul Winfield, thank you. um, Jackie Earl Haley. Um, What is uh, that kid's name? Uh, uh, let Let me see if I can pull this up. Uh, yep, Jackie Earl Haley. Yep, and he looks like a freaking mutant now on his. Uh, well, he is not the most handsome guy in the world, which was why he was perfect to play Rorschach in uh, in uh, the Watchmen. Yeah, there's this there's this horrible picture of him on. Uh, it looks like probably on. I googled it. He's got like these glasses and his goatee, and he's bald. He's just it's he's not pretty. But the prettiest thing in that, as we know, was uh, Dominique Sanda. So yes, I don't even know who the heck she is, but um, she was the one thing that made that uh, that that cast palatable. It is not a handsome crew. No, she's uh, she she was very seventies hot, I will say. Oh yeah, there is a diff- that that is a different breed of hot. Yeah, it was like she she was clearly seventies hot. Plus, I mean, with this she, weird, why was she French? Do we remember why she was French? Uh, because she was a French actress who came oh, over. Oh, there's that. But why did I just uh, one of these that stuns me is like, you know, the whole population of North America is wiped out except for this French girl, as if being French provides extra hotness. Is that what it uh, is? It does. It does. Okay. When I went to, when I went to France, I was like, wow, they are so much hotter here than they are in America. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get we'll get to the movie here in a minute. Uh, again, we're gonna talk. We're, as we get here, we're gonna talk about these uh, many things. Uh, only a couple bits of in the news uh, today. Actually, one important thing to mention, just because I want to get this out there, and just I want to send out uh, our best wishes to James Ward, who apparently is in the hospital sick. He had a, uh, I believe last night, uh, Frank Mesner posted he had a he had a, a heart attack. Uh, this is like a second or like at least a second heart attack. Oh my god! So, yeah. So, but he he's through it. He's in the hospital. He's recovering. Don't know a lot of details yet, but just uh, you know. You know, not that you can hear us, but sending out our best wishes and a speedy recovery to Mr. Ward. Remind so, the remind the internet what is, what James Ward is important for. Oh uh, well, if you don't know that by watching the show, but now, but no, he was the uh, he is a game designer, uh, game writer. Uh, he uh, was a creator for the Metamorphosis Alpha, the first science fiction role playing game that came out there that TSR published in 1975, I want to say, and. Uh, then followed up with the expansion of it is uh, you know Gamma World you know on a large but on a larger scale so and he's done other things throughout the years he has his own game company uh, been doing writing but uh, yeah so he's very iconic uh, you know he's one of the one of the you know one of the old guard you know yep. and uh, we've been losing a lot of the old guard lately and they all did they all didn't die very old man you know no. like uh, Gygax is only what like sixty eight maybe. No, I think Gygax was younger, but I'll, I'll, that sounds like a question for Wikipedia, but I really feel like uh, Gygax was only like 64, 65. 
Mm. You know, I thought, he, I thought he was a little bit older. Well, I know like Dave Arneson was a lot younger. He, Dave Arneson was in his early 60s. I know that. Yeah. Let's see here. Uh, looks like, according to the uh, interwebs, Mr. Gygax checked out. Of, oh, you're right. He was 69. Okay, that was close. Yeah, he was That's, a little bit. He was a little bit older. <clears throat> Dave Arneson right. died in his 60s. He was. Uh, he was born not too much. He, he's like born. Maybe six months after my dad was born. He okay. was born in 1938. So, uh, well, that makes your dad old. He's like in his 70s, huh? Well, yes, what, he is. Yes, what's he your dad? Is a, what, 75, 76? Yeah, he's gone into, he's at 75, which means okay. the rest of us need to mind our P's and Q's because he didn't have me when he was 50. Yeah. Okay? Sort of point <laughs> that out. He didn't have me when, when he was 50. Uh, oh, so... Uh, so he had you when he was forty, right? So you're yeah, you're well, young, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm closer in age in him to him than I am than you know to my date of birth. I'm well past that point in my life where uh, gotcha. my my age is his halfway point. No, no, no. Yeah, well, you're, so you got a couple years on me, but you know, I said I just uh, like I posted over my Facebook page. I turned my favorite caliber this year, so you know. Yes. Thank you, Dutton. Thank you, John Browning, and the uh, forty-five ACP. Yeah, sir. I, or this, or this birthday would have meant nothing if it wasn't for that. You know? <laughs> um, so you, so you went from Harry Callahan to John Moses Browning. Okay, that's not terrible. But yeah. you got nothing. You got nothing until fifty. You got nothing until the. I know. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking all along. I should have been, uh, you know, marking my birthdays and calibers, you know, my entire life. But you know, what are you gonna do? You know. <laughs> um, it was a great idea, but a little late. <laughs> you know. Um, let it be a lesson to the rest of you. 22, 38, 32. 40 caliber, 40. 9. <laughs> I guess, yes, everyone has a ninth birthday. Uh, yes. I um, guess. So 25 caliber. You know, anyway, we can go on. But uh, So, yeah, so Mr. Ward, again, we were losing a lot of the old guard. So, you know, again, wishing him all the best. So, we uh, again, I just heard, I just read that today. So, uh, so Mr. Ward, uh, again, Best wishes, you know. Well, we hope you uh, wish for you a speedy recovery. Uh, we want you around for years to come. So uh, that's that. That's a happening. Um, I was. I thought I was wrong at first about uh, the rover, but it did open up. It, at first, I thought I was like, oh, I was wrong. It didn't open up this week. It's th it's this week. But it did open up last week, but in limited release. And fortunately for me, I did see at my local movie theater this weekend a poster for the rover. So they will ah. be getting it. So good, good. Because uh, I said that it's a theater that tends to get these kind of small films. Uh, so I'm lucky that I got that. Like you know, it's literally I could walk there in five to ten minutes. It's it's that close. That is that is one of the big problems we face is that um, uh, some of the most interesting things are being done for less than ten million dollars. And when you make a film that small, it you don't get a big distributorship. No, no, we don't. So, but at least I got that theater tends to get that. Or there's one, there's one down. There's like a like a real art house down in uh, Fort Lauderdale that tends to get a lot of stuff. Like I saw, I seen a lot of stuff there. Like, like uh, God, a number of years ago, was it ten years ago or more? When they re-released, they did like a, like I think they did like um, Apocalypse Now in the theaters again. Oh yeah, saw it, saw it there because there's an art house. All the, all that kind of stuff, those reissues of movies I've seen there. So so anyway, so the rover I'll be able to see that. Uh, Snowpiercer I'm gonna have a little trouble with. I looked at the distribution 
uh, list right now that they have on the because the official website's now up. And there's only two showings in Florida. One's in Tampa and one's in Miami right now. So I got I I have an hour drive to, to Miami just to see the flick. It's down on Miami Beach. So yeah. So I already told Nancy. Well, I guess we're gonna have to make a trip. <laughs> you know, so uh, <laughs> uh, to go see that movie. So hopefully I'll get maybe it'll come closer. But those are coming out. And just a reminder: this weekend we start with. The Last Ship by Michael Bay. So we'll see what yeah. kind of. We'll see how, yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see how he's already. See how he ruins an already. You know, not that good story in the first place. Yeah. So you know. Well, uh, we'll see what they can do with it. I mean, one of the one of the problems with the Last Ship, the original novel, is that it's, it has good. a it has a glacial pacing. Yeah. Uh, the story is in no hurry to get anywhere, and the result is that it, it just. It just creeps along. Uh, certainly, he won't be doing the story any harm if he makes it move forward quicker. But I just don't know what direction it's going to go. So we'll see. Yeah, exactly. I have no no idea. And then, right. the, only other, then the only other thing I've seen is uh, well, I mentioned it to you. Did you have a chance to? Uh, Look it up. I, I did look it up. I did look it up. Actually, it was back on the thirtieth. Okay. You know? It was back on the thirtieth. Uh, uh, State of Decay Lifeline has gone live and is now uh, available for purchase for six dollars and what does it say here? Uh, I think it was six ninety nine. Yeah, six ninety nine. I wasn't aware of this, despite the fact that I have. Crushing deadlines! I'll be scurrying downstairs to my Xbox 360 to purchase it, so that I will actually have it, uh, because I cannot do without. Uh, I cannot do without more of that, please. So. Yeah, well, that's not that's not a bad price, uh, you know. For you already have to have the um, the original game, but you know those add-ons are pretty reasonably priced. And, yep. and, and I really and I really like the uh, the premise of that one. You know, you actually have supplies and things are going down. I kind of like I like that angle too. So I'm curious well, to see. Don't don't forget that um, one of the other things that, to to remember about it is that um, it's a completely new. As I understand it, it's a new map. Okay. Um. Uh. From what I read about it, uh, and I'm about to check it out. It's a new map, and it's an all. I think it might be an all urban setting. Where you don't get to drive around the countryside, um, but uh, let's see here. Uh, it's still an exploration world, open world uh, game. Um, certainly, the uh, uh, Undead Labs has got plenty of material on their site talking about you know what it is, and I've, I've watched some of the previews. In fact, if we can put a trailer up for it, um, you know there are trailers for it uh, available on YouTube. And uh, we can get those up for the folks and let them see that. Um, it look again. It looks like it's going to be an all-urban setting, but I, I can't tell for sure. But it's not the same valley. It's not a different set of. It doesn't look like it's designed as a different set of success criteria, but still set in the same valley from Breakdown and the original game. Yeah, I'm looking for the. Uh... Okay, I got the trailer for that. I will um, post the link for that. So that is the uh, that is the end of all of our 
all of our news, I think. Um, yeah, I don't got a whole. I didn't have a whole lot. Um, we 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 gave you guys all the news that was fit to print last week, with a couple different movies and TV shows and games. So you guys should be well. You guys should have uh, plenty of apocalyptic uh, nonsense uh, to mess around with for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Oh, I also posted on the I posted on the blog, which again cross posts to the Twitter account and the uh, Facebook page was, I found this uh, thing about, um, I can't remember the name of the site now, that uh, Detroit, uh, it, it, it's, it's doing... Oh, yeah, yeah, it's, got, yeah. Is that thing where that's the Google street views that show the place disintegrating? Yep, it uh, shows like the, uh, it's uh, uh, Detroit, let me pull it up here. I posted the damn thing. I wish I could friggin' remember it. It's um, it's like Go Bing De uh, Detroit. It's showing all these like street views of like the same areas from like 2009, 2011, 2013, and it just shows many. It's got like a, like five pages of it of like all these different like houses and just how everything just falls apart and decays and it looks like fucking ruins. It's it's pretty. What do you mean? What do you mean looks like? It is. I mean, yeah, well, they're ruins. Uh, they well, modern have, day ruins. Modern day ruins. It's like, well, but, have, but, then, but some of them have like a, a freestanding, uh, still intact, good to go house right next to it. You know, so it's kind of yeah. it's kind of weird. You know. Did I mention that I went and saw the uh, Jim Jarmusch film uh, Last Lovers Alive? No. Or the Last Lovers Left Alive, I think it's called. It was uh, it's Tom Hiddleston and, and Tilda Swinton. Uh, playing a couple of vampires, and you know, gee, go figure with Tilda Swinton. She already looks like she's not from this world. Uh, but it's 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 kind of a shaggy dog story. The 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 movie almost has no plot whatsoever. It's just like you see a couple of days out of their lives. That's it. But uh, it starts off where she's living in Tangiers, and he's living in Detroit. In this big house that. <clears throat> Off the grid. There's no power to it. He powers it himself. Um, take, and take him to Detroit. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor Craw. Yeah, um, but uh, uh, the thing that was most interesting about the Detroit stuff was, yeah, it's this sort of urban blight. But um, uh, throughout the course of the movie, you keep hearing coyotes. Really? Who moved into Detroit and are now living in the in the evacuated areas that people aren't living in. So it was a little bit like, you know, the whole Dracula, Children of the Night, what beautiful music they make with the wolves howling outside of Castle Dracula. But instead it's the coyotes yipping, uh, you know, in the ruins of the Tasty Freeze, just down the street from Tom Middleston's lair. But, uh, yeah, Detroit comes off looking a bit like, if a city could be a zombie... That might be Detroit. Yeah. It might be Detroit. All right. But on the, the, major, the, the major thrust of our program today, we've got right. ourselves... Everybody hold up your copies. Come on, my, everybody. My, my copy of Damnation Alley. There we go. Yeah, Scott that looks like amazing. an original public, one of the early oh. publications. Mine's oh, my a, God. Mine's, yeah. a, mine's a later publication. Yep. This is, uh, this is from... Berkeley Press in 1969. In the back of the book, they're also advertising 
Dune, Dune Messiah, a bunch of Frank Herbert books. Oh, nice. And uh, Philip K. Dick's The Man in the High Castle. Um, and A.E. Van Voigt's Destination Universe. So, yeah. Totally oh. from the Golden Age. Exactly. So, uh, this book uh, originally started off, actually started off as a novella, and then he expanded it to a novel in 1969. Originally 1967, expanded to a novel in 1969, but again, even expanding it to a novel is still not very lengthy. It's still, yeah. it's, it's a short read. My, my copy is 157 pages long, and I read it in about two hours, three hours this afternoon to be prepared for the show. Maybe two and a half hours tops. Yeah, uh, mine's, mine's the same length, but look at the, I mean, look at the size of that print. It's really probably, you know... Well, well you know, it's, a, it's the same thing here. Uh, oh. the, print is, the print is not small. Yeah, um, so, it's, so it's really maybe, maybe 120 pages. It's not very yeah. big. Yeah, and... The uh, I, I remember reading the novella, and I do remember some differences between the novella and the novel. Um, for one thing, the novella, the novel inserts a bunch of episodes throughout the novel where you get to see what's happening at the other end of Damnation Alley. But let's go back and talk about what. All right. What what, what is what is Damnation Alley all what about? What is Damnation Alley? Why are we interested in it? Because uh, it's post-apocalyptic. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, it's a book that there was an atomic war, and or nuclear uh, nuclear war, atomic war, whatever you call it at the time, destroyed a lot of North America, uh, and there was two bastions, really, of civilization left, like California, parts of California, and was it? Uh, it wasn't. Was it Boston? Boston. Yeah, Boston. Boston. Yeah, but and, there there are satellite communities, like they mention. Uh, right, well, people, they mentioned Solid. that the, the main City. character has Solid done the City. run Albuquerque, Albuquerque, and Seattle. Uh, Seattle. They mentioned, you know, that Hell Tanner, the protagonist, has done the Seattle run, the Albuquerque run, and the Salt Lake City run. And when they get out to the other side, Albany, which, you know, becomes important for the movie, Albany is another one of these outlier communities from Boston. Albany, New York. Yes. And um, what was I going to say? I don't remember. So he was like a he was like a mailman, like ran the mail for a period well, of time. He starts off as the last Hell's Angel. Yes. Hell, Hell Tanner, whose dad named him when the nurse asked, "What do you What do you want? The, what, what do you put in the birth certificate?" And dad just says, "Ah, the hell with it," and walks out of the hospital. So. They named him Hell Tanner, is the last of the Hell's Angels, who apparently were wiped out by the, the, the California Republic or the nation of California because they were just total scumbags. I mean... Looting, raping, killing... Yeah, they admit that the main character is a rapist, a murderer, uh, gouged a man's eyes out just for kicks... Because uh, he was amusing to him. He once shut a man for snoring too loud. Uh, that he was a slaver. That he sold. They would kidnap people and sell them. Uh, you know. And apparently, while he was doing time, uh, there was something called the Great Raid, where there was something called the Barbary Coast, which is, I guess, is a you know reference maybe to San Francisco. Um, but the uh, L.A. the forces from L.A. came up there and just apparently. 
didn't take any prisoners, and the Hell's Angels are gone now. Um, he is the last of the Hell's Angels, and for a while, he did these runs where he'd do supply runs and, and, and missions uh, to take news and mail out to Seattle, Albuquerque, and Salt Lake City. But even then, he couldn't stay out of trouble and got himself back in prison for, apparently, the story opens up, he's doing time for killing three guys and just barely missed the death penalty. And drug running and... Yeah. Uh... Exactly. He's a, he is a charming guy. Yeah, in the beginning, it shows him, it talks him about, about, he's like, oh, I miss my swastikas and my cross, iron crosses and my patches oh, yeah. and my, you know. He's got his fucking SS uh, dagger, his ex, you know, in his boot. Uh, and, you know, uh, was, uh, they, don't have any, they don't have any swasta tattoos on him. But he's your, he's your standard Hell's Angel. Yeah, bad, bad biker stereotype, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And uh, this world of Damnation Alley. Damnation Alley is apparently the area between the two coasts. It's all of continental North America. No one's ever done the run before. But Until now. Until now, where some guy named John Brady comes blowing out of the wastelands, dying of radiation poisoning and half crazy and banged up to deliver this message from Boston, because apparently after the war, you know, because of reasons, they can't talk to Boston. There's no radio communication for very far. Well, because, because apparently the, the the weather systems are all fucked up in the world. Yes. It's like like hail, it's like hail, rock storms, and apparently there's like a a wind about 500 feet up that um, is like hurricane force winds constantly circling the earth. That's why they can't fly because once you hit 500 feet, forget it, you're done. Yeah. You, can't, you can't fly. Uh, you you can even get scooped up by the winds if you drive at too high an altitude. Yeah. Yeah, um, and so uh, uh, the only way you can get around is by vehicles. That's Zelazny's, you know, uh, conceit for why you have to drive across North America, uh, why you can't send a message, why a courier had to come all the way across, and then they had to send a rescue team back. And the idea is California has already had an outbreak of this plague and managed to come up with a cure, uh, and we'll just call it the vaccine for the time being and rather than try and look it up in the book. But uh, they put together a team of drivers to go across the country. Uh, uh, three, three vehicles, two per, two per vehicle. Yeah. And, except for Tanner because they, well, the deal with it, okay, he, they recaptured him. They needed him to drive because he's done all these runs before. He's a badass. They're like, if anybody could do this, they think he could do it. So, because yeah. he's, got, he's got, like, that skill set. You know, they made it clear that, you know, they very telegraphed everything. It's like, I hate you, you're a bad, scummy person, I wish you were dead. But you got the skill sets of driving and vision and how you could see and uh, reflexes. So you're the only one who can make it. We want to, we just, you know, I don't care if you die, but I want the vaccine to get across, you know. Yeah, in fact, uh, uh, in fact, at some point, um, uh, you know, uh, Hell Tanner brags that he's he's been to the Missis... The Mississippi. 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 Uh, he has been as far as the Mississippi, and I was like, ah, bullshit, no one's been that far. Well, the guy who came from Boston did, and any, anybody, the guy, anything the guy from Boston can do, Hell Tanner can do twice as good. He's like, I've been, to, you know, that's like halfway there, so I figure I could do it, you know. So, they, you know, his choice was go back to jail uh, for the rest of his life or do this. And if he does and, that, and, he, gets a, he gets a pardon, like Snake Plissken. Well, the whole meeting between Denton uh, and, uh, and uh, Hell Tanner 
is almost, in some ways, it's, very it's, almost, it's almost word for word like Lee Van Cleef and Kurt Russell. Um, in Escape from you know, New York? In Escape from New York. It's like literally... Uh, uh, yeah, you know, I have a gun. It, wait just, outside. Yeah. Denton says, wait outside. You know this guy's dangerous. I know. You know, and, and it, it, it really plays out almost exactly like... And frankly, if Snake Plissken was fucking inspired by anything, it's Hell Tanner. Yeah. I mean, right down the line with the motorcycle boots, you know, on him and the, uh, 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 the badass attitude. Although, admittedly, Snake Plissken seems like slightly less of a scumbag, but yeah. only because Hell Tanner is a huge scumbag. Um... But that conversation, just dirty, you know. He's not a yeah. total, not a total scumbag. He's just, he's just dirty, you know. But anyway, so you know, they recruit him to go to drive. They look so, you know. Um, and he's and such a scumbag that in one of the opening things, he tries to kill the other drivers so he can escape. Remember yeah, that? Where they're, where they're getting the bodies out of the damaged vehicle, he tries lighting the fuel on fire. Yeah, because uh, there were orders. They said, "Well, if you try to take off, they'll burn you." Because apparently, they have big flamethrowers on the on the cars. They're like these big armored vehicles. Oh yeah, um, the, I, don't, the, I don't remember the descriptions of them, but oh, they they say car, but then they start talking about what they've got, and it's pretty. You know, the <laughs> Landmaster from the movie is not bad. They're eight wheeled vehicles. They're over thirty feet long. Uh, they're covered in fifty caliber machine guns, front backsides. There are no windows. Oh. There's just cameras on the outside, and you sit in this bubble of screens that show you up, down, left, right, you know, even below the vehicle. Oh, that's right. So you have, like, yeah. a full view. Yeah. And uh, they got flamethrowers mounted on, you know, five different sides, front, back, left, right, and up. There's a, a rack of missile launchers, like the, uh, like on the Landmaster. The one thing that the, the car, which is never given a name, the one thing the car has that the Landmaster doesn't, is that it's covered with giant knives and sharp edges uh, that can fold out and be folded back in in case one of the giant mutant creatures on the wasteland grabs a hold of the vehicle. It can eject these blades that will slice into them. Yes, because uh, uh, folks, apparently in this apocalypse, there are the... the, the, uh, hell, the Danish hell is full of giant... You know, total fantasy. You know, shy Haluk size. You know, yes, uh, um, <laughs> said Dune, so it got popped out of my head. You know, mutant creatures, just gigantic. Like, oh my god! You know, this is totally over the top kind of shit. Yeah, know? yeah. The, the the giant Gila monster takes out one of the vehicles at one point. Yeah, it's um, giant. It's like you know, beyond. It's like Godzilla size. Or it's something. like it's. I think this it's the size of a barn, which is not a bad description. Yeah. Um, there's giant bats that attack the vehicle, giant spiders. There's a snake that crawls across their, the road that's, quote, as big around as a garbage can, you know? Uh, uh, so it's all giant monsters. Uh, giant yeah, that, monsters. That, that, back when the, the, the apocalypse was, fantasy was, oh, radiation will just make things bigger. Everything gets bigger with radiation. That's yeah, one thing you've learned about radiation. The only thing that gets bigger is my swollen flesh from the radiation poisoning as my hair and yeah. blood falls out. You yeah, your, gla your glands get a little swollen. Get bigger, yeah. A, yeah. And then blacken and fall off. But yeah, it's it's that kind of fantasy radiation. The other thing that's fantasy is that the um, 
the war blew all this stuff up into the atmosphere. It's been caught up by the new super wind that exists, and there's like tornadoes that go around sucking more material up into the super wind. So occasionally it just rains down. We'll be just driving along, and rocks the size of, quote, tombstones will just fall out of the sky and crash down on you. And they've got to get the, the car, the vehicles under old bridges or under cliffs to, to keep from being crushed by avalanches that just appear out of the sky at random in Damnation Alley. Oh, so it's, uh, what was I going to say? Shit. Um, I just... You blanked? I totally fucking blanked. I was going to say something I can't fucking remember. It was... Um, Will I do a movie, movie book, comic book? No, holy shit. I was going to make a fucking reference. I can't remember. What the... We won't, we, there's only one way to remember, sir. We must talk about something else. It was... Wait, you were just talking about the, the rain. The avalanches out of the yeah. sky. You know what it's like? It's like the death belt from the cursed earth. Yeah, remember it's... The, um, from the cursed earth, which we'll get to. Yeah, hold on. Oh, okay. So that must have been now. Now, now I remembered it. So, so yeah, it's all it's all sucking up debris. It's like, so I guess that must have been the the inspiration for Sharknado. I don't know. Oh God! <laughs> yes, yes, because in the book he describes a water spot that comes by and dumps seaweed and sharks onto the road. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So. It's got a damnation alley has everything including a shark nano. Shark nano. It's the perfect book. Next show. Mic drop and done. Thank you. Just walk <laughs> off stage. Um but uh yeah, so um uh the the there's sure there's there's radiation, there's also, you know, once you get toward closer to the civilized areas, there are biker gangs that, you know, uh, try and run him down at the end of the story. Uh partway through they can occasionally get little radio contact, like very short distances, and some guys start radioing them somewhere, I guess it's Indiana, to, like, stop your vehicle and pull over. And when they, you know, just keep going, this tank shows up. This salvaged pre-war tank shows up. And the war uh, is took place before Hell Tanner is born. He's only 25 in the story. Yeah. Although he reads like he should be a 40-year-old. Yeah. But... Yeah, but he's only 25, sorry, but the, there's a part where he finds an old biologist hiding in a barn who's like 75 or something, and he remembers the war. And there's a doctor in Boston, when you they, they keep flipping forward and showing what's going on in Boston, where the doctor remembers the war, which they only refer to as the three days. They never say who the war is with or what, but they just refer to it as the three days. The three-day war. Yeah. So um, basically, uh, this you know this book right off the bat, as far as what has it inspired? Well, it moved on at some point to inspire a movie. And in 1977, ten years after the book was or the novella was first published, uh, they came yeah. up with Damnation the Alley, the movie, which brought us a number of iconic things. Number one, the Landmaster. The Landmaster. Which we have ranted about many times. It brought us the giant stop-motion scorpions. Scorpions. Without whom Fallout would not be populated with rad scorpions if it wasn't for Damnation Alley. Um, it, uh, 
Not sure what else. Swarms of killer cockroaches. Yes, the giant armor-plated carnivorous cockroaches that eat Paul Winfield, thus proving that the black guy never survives the movie. Nope. You know, that, that trope comes true there where they eat Paul Winfield. Um, uh, you know, I, uh, and I would like to point out that the, the cockroaches are famous in this movie. I mean, oh, yeah, first of all, there, there, there's, there, there's something, the hissing there. Uh, Madagascar, Madagascar and hissing cockroach, which is fine. They were in movies, there's a movie called Bugs or something that they were in. Uh, but well, they're famous because, as you know, co- you cannot wrangle cockroaches. No. You can't, like, you know, put down a trail and they'll follow it and, like, you know, a trail of candy or whatever. If you turn the lights on, they all scatter in every direction. So... In order to have a scene in the movie where Jan Michael Vincent, that worthless drunk, is being chased by hordes of uh, carnivorous cockroaches, what they did was they took like a tarp and put it on the floor and, and glued fake cockroaches to it and it would drag the carpet so the cockroaches all move forward a perfectly uniform sort of pattern. Oh, yeah, they the rubber cockroaches and you can see it. In some scenes, you can see the strings. Oh yeah, as they're pulling the it's it's bad, folks. It's pretty right. bad. Well, let's back up a little bit. Uh, what damnation alley is? It so, is so so the original book. You gotta take the medicine across country, uh, through the the nightmarish wasteland to save Boston. That's and you get the worst guy in the world to do the job because he's the best guy at this job. That's the book. But what's the movie, Jared? Uh, the the movie is. Loosely inspired by the book, um, I will I will say because I re I rewatched it last night. I, I did I did kind of like the beginning of it, you know, because it's uh, they're in a missile silo, Air Force base, middle of the desert. Uh, you know, they show the whole procedures, the launches, the the missiles blowing up. It's very it's very Cold War, very iconic. And I was really thinking about it. It's like you know what anybody. Anybody born past, you know, anybody who's like under, you know, under 35, 33, just would never get this. Would never get, doesn't get the Cold War fear of nuclear war. No, you know, no, I'm sorry. R- R- Russia is a third-rate gas pump that's only good for threatening pieces of its neighbors. Yeah, because it, 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 it just maybe just to, you know, go off on a sidetrack here, but just watching all that just made me really think, it's like, wow, it's like, it brought me really back to that era and that, you know, the fear of the war and how real it was and how that was a possibility. And it was just like, wow, it's like people don't get it. Unless you live through that, you don't get it anymore, you know. It's like, yeah, yeah people are afraid of you know, the terrorists and this and that. But the fear of total annihilation from nuclear war, unless you live through it, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to get it, you know. I agree. Uh, but it really, it, you know, the whole opening sequence really – uh, brought me back to that, you know. Maybe it's really very war games, wasn't it? Yeah, well, they yeah they're in there. The missiles coming, the interceptions, the, the explosions, and you know they talked about this whole thing. You know, I, you know, it did the whole thing. Like the Earth got knocked off the axis. The skies were crazy with weather and stuff like that. And they're at this at this base, and uh, they're all just hanging out. The structure's still there. A couple guys. They said, "I quit the the Air Force," and they're off on their own. Um, and that brings us to the scene where. The guy, like Jan Michael Vincent, on the motorcycle riding through the scorpions in the desert. Little thing about that was, is there's a couple on this DVD on the Blu-ray. There's a couple of good little uh, 
a little short features on here. Uh, one of them, you know, there's uh, Survival Run, uh, Road to Hell, and Landmaster Tale. So they're all about 10, 15 minutes long. They're pretty good. One's the uh, challenges, uh, one's Survival Run's about the challenges of creating the, the movie. Now, they originally wanted to try to do the Scorpions as, like, actual mechanical, um, you know, like, real practical effects type thing, things, but they wound up they couldn't do it, they didn't have the budget, it didn't wind up working, uh, so that's when they had Scorpions filmed on a blue screen and stuck them in. You know, that's, and it looked terrible, you know? Yeah, yeah, they're not even stop motion, are they? I think they're all... They're no, they're real Scorpions on a blue screen. They're real Scorpions, yeah. On a blue screen, so at least they have that going for it. But uh, they originally wanted to do kind of mechanical ones, but it, it didn't. Uh, it didn't. It did not work. Um, so you had a lot of that. Now, one of the big things uh, that they were going up against when this movie came out was this is supposed to be their science fiction blockbuster of the year. There was oh, two it's nineteen seventy-seven, isn't it? Yeah, it's twentieth twentieth century. Same company. This was one of their two science fiction films that they're like, oh, they expected this one to be a huge hit, and. Boy, were they wrong because they didn't have any. They didn't have any faith in the Star Wars movie either. But that thing blew up like you wouldn't believe, as we all know to this day. Uh, so this came out afterwards and did terrible at the box office. Got pulled out uh, pretty quick. So yeah, uh, apparently they had a lot of challenges in making this movie too. Uh, it, it wasn't any of the documentaries, but apparently there's a lot of like footage that hit the cutting room floor. A lot of stuff was left out like scenes for character and story and plot development. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you've ever seen a cut of this film that was ever shown on commercial television, there's, there's a lot, a of, lot stuff. of stuff that they show. The one thing that I always remember is where George Picard, after the after the nuclear war, it's been weeks or months or whatever, and George Picard goes down to talk to the base commander, who's played by, uh, let's see here, Murray Hamilton. And Murray Hamilton, you will remember as... Uh, in The Graduate, but does not movie The Graduate, he is Mrs. Robinson's husband. He is also the mayor of Amity, Long yep. Island, from Jaws. He is the mayor from Jaws. He's all like, we can save, we can save August, you know, where he's gone completely nuts. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sitting around doing this. Why, why this guy winds up to be a hot watch? But yeah. you know, that's Murray Hamilton. And apparently, somebody decided that he's, he's just the guy you want to get to play weak sucks who have lost control of the situation. Yeah. Because in this, he plays the general, and he's just sitting around with a sweat stains on his uniform and a big beard and drinking scotch. And George Park goes in to like, report how he's doing building a landmaster, and the guy just grunts at him, and George Park leaves. You know, And when Park goes back to his, his number two guy, it's just like, you realize that general's lost it. He's not home anymore. And, yeah. Yeah, and so he shows in that scene. I remember. If you watch the cut that's on the DVD, what I remember is Murray Hamilton doesn't get any dialogue. He does get some dialogue in the in the, the longer cuts, they, but there's they, none they, in the movie. Oh no, basically you basically see him like engulfed by flames when the base blows up. Yeah, that's yeah. They, they mention yeah they mention all he does is sit in the command room looking at the maps, and then they show some guy sitting in the command room when the base is exploding, and then. It explodes, and that's the end of Murray Hamilton. Yeah, you know? so uh, there's a lot of stuff that they got lost that's supposed to add to the film. Uh, so, yeah, so, you know, they're building this because they've been, they, they received, they were there for two years, two years after they were. They were that's um, right. And Papard, and who's the other guy? The other, um, uh, the other actor. I, guess I, it's, I, I think it's uh, uh, Lieutenant Tom Perry, so that would be, the actor's name is Kip Nevin. So, yeah, the, 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 Papard and Nevin build the Landmasters to escape. 
Yeah, because they, they know because they were getting some signals from Albany. There was an yeah. automated there was an automated system, but they know somebody was there at one point, and they want to and they want to get and they want to get over there. Now they had and, and I do want to point out that Jan Michael Vince's character is named Tanner, uh -huh. so hence the Hell Tanner connection. Although yeah. they don't call him Hell, and Papard's character's name is Denton, and Denton is the name of the guy who gives the mission to Tanner at the beginning of the book. So they they cribbed a couple of names out of it, and Albany. Because yeah. at one point Tanner goes to Albany in the book. Yeah, so that's it. You know, like you know, there was a being's a disaster. Everybody dies except for you know uh, a couple, like four people. You know, so they the base is destroyed. The base is destroyed by marijuana and masturbation. Yep. Uh, so the whole thing like blows up. <laughs> you're just gonna let that go by. You're you're not even gonna try to explain to people how marijuana and masturbation. No. Uh, you, know, you gotta watch. You gotta watch the movie. You gotta watch uh, the movie. We're not joking. We're not joking. That is no, no, we're not making this up. It's, and uh, not only is the base destroyed, but it's destroyed with stock footage. Lots of stock footage. I, I, think, stock the, footage. I think the stock footage might be from the Guns of Navarone, but I'm not sure. Yeah, there's a lot of stock footage in this film. So so they start on their journey. Uh, they, get, they all get in the car to, to the two landmasters. Because really, the landmaster, even uh, one of the guys, the, the writer uh, who wrote... Uh, one of the Al Sharp, one of the screenwriters, like that. Really, the Landmaster is, is basically one of the main characters and is like one of the, the most important characters in the movie. Yeah, because um, he was talking about the writing uh, for the book, like the, the screen, because he was like a, an author, and then he was a became a screenwriter. Like he came over from England, so when he was talking about he was put on this project that the screenplay was already written. And they needed him to kind of fix it up. Now, they didn't want him to totally write it from scratch because he would have done it easily. He said that would have done it differently. But they just had him, like, kind of fix it up. Now, and he, and he, and he said something to, about how when it comes to a novel, to a, to a, to a screenplay, you can't write everything in the book for, that's in no. the book because there's, there's too much stuff. And that's, again, one of the, everybody's like, it's not like the book. It's like, well, because you can't translate everything. It's too, there's too much going on. Every movie would be 15 hours long, you know. So, uh, and he's talked about the movie how one of the things they didn't want him to do was they didn't want him to have all these like little uh, giant episodes of like, well, how are the hippies handling it, and how are these people handling it? All these they didn't want all these giant stop-off points telling more stories. They wanted to focus on the road trip, and they okay. had a couple, they had a couple little stops here and there, but it was mainly about the road trip, the vehicle getting across the road. They stopped. They picked up in Vegas. Picked up the girl. They picked up the boy. They ran into these other people. But they kept. They both touch on it. Keep going. I think know? the only people they run into is like a trio of, uh, you know, scabby, rapey, radiation guys. Yeah. That's it. And the whole trip across the country, they run into the girl, uh, Jack Hero Haley. Uh, yeah, cockroaches, scorpions, Jack Hero Haley, uh, and that's it. Yeah, that's three guys. Not a whole, not a whole lot. And the cockroaches scene, because even they're like, because that that seems kind of cool, because they go to the town and it's like, they're like something's like they're looking at things like something's not right because everywhere yeah, you look, there are no rubber on, there's no tires on vehicles, no cloth anywhere. There's no like anything that's uh, could be eaten was eaten. All bones and skeletons are picked dry. Pick clean. You know, there's, there's no, no there's no everything. wild dogs. There's no wild dogs in town. There's no rats. There's no nothing. Yeah. They've eaten everything that could be eaten. You know, 
so it's kind of fat. That's kind of cool. That's very. That's a good game world scenario, right there. And, and let's be honest. It's uh, the thing about the the, the the cannibalistic cockroaches are not a bad idea, even though it's terribly done in the movie. And all that happens is that twenty years later, um, they just do it. They just they, they throw CGI at the problem in the mummy with the yeah. flesh eating scarabs. Well, they, yeah. they 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 threw a lot of things at the at us with CGI in the mummy, but yeah. uh, but you know they 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 came back with that same exact idea just with better technology. Yeah. Um, but it was um it was not happy to begin with. No, they had bad situations. So that was like the main premise of the movie, and even you know he call you know he looks through the satellite images, finds the narrow path, and. You know, they talk about the vehicle a lot, like, oh, it could float in water, it could take 60-degree inclines, and they, it could do this, it could do that. But, of course, immediately, they lose one of the fucking land masters, immediately, like, out of the gate. Lose one of their guys, immediately. Lose one of the guys. And, you know, they're going, again, we told you the whole story, the whole trip. They have a couple of stops, you know, they get to Albany, and then they get to Albany, you know. A couple of stops along the way, it was, there's a lot of scenes of just, the landmaster going across the land, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, now it, I, it was it was post-apocalyptic vehicle form, really. This movie. Yeah, it really was. What was and there was something about when they get it out on one of those lakes in Nevada, where it's got the wheels turning like it's yeah. paddling across. I want to say that that was that a it's model. That, yeah, there were some models used in in the big flood scene. Yeah, but I I want to say that might have been a uh, there was something about that that I remember reading with that. That was the actual landmaster. Yeah. Um, it would float. Yes. It, it could float, but it could. It didn't have any propulsion. That that thing of turning the wheels didn't. Didn't actually, move it forward. Yeah. 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 We, we, well, he talks about it. Uh, the guy, the gentleman, uh, Dean Jeffries, who Dean was Jeffries. the was the uh, he he was the car designer. Landmaster Tales is that actually Landmaster Tales? It's on YouTube. Uh, I've already I favor I put it under our favorites under the YouTube channel so you can watch it's like ten minutes long. He talks about the building of the Landmaster, uh, everything behind it, a little bit of the history of it, what happened to it afterwards, and he's like, yeah, it was supposed to float. It's all steel, but he made it float. You know, he made it work. You know, yeah. And he's like, he's, and he's, he's like, it really, he's like, it really worked. He said he loved designing. He's like, it, he's like, it, it did, it worked. It drove. You know, the wheels. You know, like you see, like the side of the vehicle cans where all the wheels are. Flipping and everything. He says it worked for real. They drove it around a lot. You know, they only had one incident where they had a flat tire, but otherwise it worked perfect. You know, you know the whole time. It, it it really it wins. The movie wins because it has created this iconic vehicle that has been recycled a couple of times since and has been used for. I mean, it, it got cribbed for uh, you know um, uh, Mara Project for vehicles. It got cribbed for Mark Miller's Traveler. You know, when uh, when one of the things in the old science fiction game Traveler, one of those that there was always it was just the ATV, the all-terrain vehicle. You know, that every group of players had because it was standard on one of the ships that you got at the beginning of the game. It's the Landmaster. The illustrations yeah. were absolutely just the Landmaster from that movie. Um, that prop has inspired a number of other props. Uh, in that sense. It's had a lot more mileage than it deserves, no pun intended. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. um, for a movie that bad, for the prop to have survived. Well, you know, the, the Landmaster was the star of the movie. Yeah. It that, certainly wasn't that, that was, The Landmaster was the best, the coolest thing about that whole movie. Yeah. You uh, know? And, and it's worth taking a look just for that. 
it beats the EM50 and you know, urban assault vehicle all to hell from uh, uh, stripes. From stripes, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, no. He he talks about the history of the vehicle. You know, like he said, he he had he had that vehicle plus a lot of the other vehicles he had in his own in his yard, like his like his garage or something. And he said this guy was bugging him for years and years and years and years to sell it to him, and he finally did. And um, and he sold it to him, and the guy restored it. And it was shown around for shows for a while, but uh, but I think a couple of years ago, uh, in storage, it got it got uh, the storage place got broken into, and some scumbags vandalized it. So now it has yeah. to be has to be, fixed, it has, to be fixed, it has to be fixed up again. Two thousand and nine, it got vandalized, and uh, it's, it's looking to be repaired again. Yeah, so apparently from somebody who doesn't uh, appreciate it, but um, barbarians. Oh Philistine. yeah, fuck, Philistines. Fucking, sa fucking savages. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it, it it was in a, it was in a, again I, I I from the help from one of our friends uh, found it on YouTube. It was in a, it was in a, the gas commercial for uh, for the Amico gas commercial. The Road Warrior. The Road Warrior. Yep, driving around the Landmaster. It's on the favorites on YouTube. And again, this the, the little short uh, vignette is on there too. And he explains the development of it and building it and stuff like that. So. Yeah, it's got a pretty good history. So again, that's the star. That's the star of the movie, as far as I'm concerned. You know, is, and, is that is that? And, and Dan Nationality, I will say this: there, there. I want to say something about the book. Uh, so the novel versus the novella. Um, spoiler alert. Uh, oh yeah, we should have said that uh, 50 minutes ago, but yeah, but this is the big spoiler. When I read it, the no novel novella originally, my recollection was that Hell Tanner dies getting. <laughs> The cure to Boston. Uh, um, in, in this version, they strongly imply that when he collapses, he does not die, uh, but you know uh, survives. Um, uh, survives to go on to vandalize the statue they build to him uh, at the end, um, uh, before leaving town in a stolen car. Um, which I always thought was sort of, I don't know, that, that, that kind of bugged me. I always liked the version where, you know, this guy who is not a member of society, you know. There's something just, to save society and, and, yeah. does it, and, and paid for it with his life. He sacrificed himself, you know, yeah. to do this. Exactly. Um, so that was always a more gritty, you know, sort of story for me. But I don't want to throw that out. I also want to go on to let's talk about the comic book. Yes. Um well, just one last thing about the um, the movie. As we said, the only reason they went across country was just to find some other people. It wasn't uh, no disease or anything like that. So oh, that's right. They're just trying to get to a place that hadn't been nuked. Hadn't been nuked. And um, all right. So uh, for those of you familiar with the 2000 AD, the British. Uh, um, well, it's not, it wasn't a comic. It was a comic, but it was like a, a daily paper, that, a weekly paper. Yeah, it came, came out. out. It came out printed on newsprint. Originally. Newsprint, and uh, of course, we know the famous character Judge Dredd was in that series all the time. You know, there was a lot of different stories, but Judge Dredd was the main one. There was a story arc called the Cursed Earth, and I have a uh, large size compilation of the Cursed Earth saga. Let me see if I can get that in focus here. With the Killdozer? Is that the vehicle behind Yes, them? that is the Killdozer right there. And uh, then we have uh, Spike's Harvey Rotten, the world's greatest punk rocker. And, yep. you know, so... Filling, filling in for Hell Tanner. Filling in for Hell Tanner. 
Now, uh, the Cursed Earth is very, because it's, again, it's Judge Dredd, so as we know it's a comic, it's going to be very over-the-top, but it's got all the over-the-top stuff that the book had, okay? Because they can do it in that. Uh, the premise is kind of reverse from uh, the book. It's because you have Mega City 1, Mega City 2, East Coast, West Coast. Everything in between is complete hell on Earth that was destroyed during the Atomic Wars, okay? Well, except for Texas. You, know, you have this Texas City. But everything else in between, totally destroyed. Now, uh, well, in this, in this very futuristic, it's a very futuristic world, but again, oh, it's, I, it's I apocalyptic. That this story ran in Judge Dredd through, from May to October of 1978, so it was actually after Damnation Alley, the movie, came out. Oh, that's when it originally started? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I could tell by the art style of the uh, of the judges in there. It was early. And again, it doesn't seem that old to me because I was reading that like in the early 80s, so originally. So it takes place. Somebody comes from Mega City 2 uh, that there's this disease that's broken out uh, that was a pre-war disease, and the disease was... 2T Fruity. Yeah, it was called... Uh, what was it called? It was called... I just, I just told you. Well, I know what it's, I know that, but I wanted to see what they actually... Oh, they didn't abbreviate it as? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it was... Um, I have it right in front of me here. You know what the disease reminds me of? Doesn't it turn people into, like, vampires or cannibals or something? No, crazy fucking cannibals. That's what it turns them into. It, it reminds me of the disease from um, I Am Legend. You know what I mean? It's a bit like the disease from I Am Legend that fills in for vampirism in that movie. I just fucking read this. Okay, well, here it is. It's a T2... Brackets, F-R-U-T. Yes, they make it so obvious, but they call it... That was their war cry, Tutti Frutti, that they have to eat the forbidden fruit, which is, you know... Us. It's us, for the pickings that is ripe. So uh, these people land there land there with the, uh, with the jets. Now, the thing is, Earth's all fucked up, so it has the layer of... Is it the yeah, dead zone or the dead... It is called the Death Belt. It's this area with these high tornado winds, debris flying through there, so they can't really uh, fly back and forth easily. You know, they have to uh, get good pilots to get through. Now, uh, of course, you know, the guy comes back, they tell him what's going on, and they're like, oh, we would have you fly back there, Judge, but all the airports are taken over by the, um, by, the crazy crazy, by, by the crazy cannibals. And then it's like, well, couldn't they just find a way to get down and land right outside and kind of go in. But, um... Shh, quiet. Quiet, that would ruin the story, so... Or better go... yet, or better yet, why don't they get on the fucking radio and just tell them the goddamn ingredients for the fucking serum so they can they can just make it? Well, they're under, they're under, they're, they're under siege, so they, can't, they don't have time to get these signals. You know, they're fighting the battle for their lives, so... All right, uh, well, okay. Because reasons. Okay. Yeah, the other reasons for it. So, yeah. So they so they have this team, the Killdozer, these war bots. You know, he picks his. You know, he had, he needed another writer, so he picks Spike Harvey Rotten, this criminal, because he's tough, he's bad, he's been through the wasteland. So, um, same premise. You know, they get the they get the crew to go across. I guess Judge Dredd tells Dredd Dredd tells Spike Harvey Rotten, well, you can come with me, or you can get killed. You know, same same kind of presence. 
so they and they start going across the cursed earth. Now <clears throat> you get all kinds of crazy shit uh, going into going across here. Like you run into a village that ha worships these uh, sacrifices people to rats because with all the winds and the debris, there's these rats living on the debris that's circling the wasteland. And every so often the 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 wind dips down close to that village, and the rats go there, and they all jump off and start killing and eating people, then they jump back on and disappear. It's, it's so, it's way over the top. Oh, even well, all the more so than the, than the book. When you get down to the mutations that are all involved, you know, in this story, I mean, uh, it's Gamma World level mutations. There's guys at the head of a goat. Why does he have a goat head? I don't know, because Brian <laughs> Boland, radiation. Because the artist Brian Boland wanted to draw a guy with a goat head. That's why there's a guy with a goat head. Oh, yeah. But there's... It's, it's, it's very... This is so Gamma World. This is very... This was very influential on, you know, our Gamma World campaign that my friend ran. So... Oh, oh, uh, oh, then, oh. Not all... There's, there's giant... There's T-Rexes. There's oh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm getting that. I'm getting that. Oh, I'm sorry. So, I don't so get you know, there, there's the rats. Then they run across the, the mutant army that... Um, Hangs out around Mount Rushmore, you know, and you know they carve their leader's face in there along with uh, Jimmy Carter, Jimmy Carter's face, who was added there, by the way. So, <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, there you go. Here's, yeah, because uh, I can uh, totally see Jimmy hanging out with Washington, Roosevelt. There's Jimmy, there's Jimmy Carter. Move, move it a little. And there's the mutant master. There's the mutant master right there. If you can see that yeah. there. So, yeah, so they got them. They're chased down by them. You know, that gives them problems. Uh, they also run across, um, there's all kinds of mutants. It's a wasteland. And one of the cool things in here was the vampire robots, which I think would be a great Gamma World scenario or even a possibly, you know, like a, maybe a Mara project, you know, like later on, you know, possibly. You could kind of maybe work that in there or an aftermath or something like that. Uh, the vampire robots, I won't, I won't spoil too much of that. Oh, it's gonna be hard to get your hands on, on this, folks. So I don't know. Um, but that—that's a—that's that, a, that's a cool—that's a cool little subplot. You know, the vampire. Of course, robot. Las Vegas is, exists. Um, yeah, we get to we get to Las Vegas. Well, before uh, we have the battles, they 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 run across this alien because there's like these alien uh, uh, slavers that bring these aliens that to capture, Earth. They bring them to Earth to. Have like this alien circus uh, in the cursed earth. It's 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 well populated. The cursed earth. Yeah, the cursed earth is wall to wall with people, mutants, aliens, uh, dinosaurs, you know, flying rats, uh, mutant armies. It's uh, it's a bit crowded actually. Very crowded. Uh, Tweak is is the alien they run into, who has like the big claws and he eats rocks. Um, it looks like an aardvark with giant pincers. That's or an anteater or something. I don't know. It's just it's it's a ridiculous alien. Yeah, there's uh lots of dinosaurs and T Rexes because apparently there's like some kind of um Clone. Uh, is some kind of uh let's see here. Uh, there was some kind of uh entertainment complex where they figured out they, they were reconstituting and making uh uh Dinosaurs. dinosaurs. So yeah, it's, Jurassic it's, Park. They're making Jurassic Park basically, and before oh, Jurassic the Park, Earth, you know, and uh, it's all fucked up, and they're they're running around, roaming the countryside, killing things. You know, people, you know, have like you know small ones in pits, like Conan. It's crazy. You know, it's got that. It also they run across a giant. Um, they go to Vegas 
where there's judges there, but the judges are basically it's just the mob, and they're calling themselves judges, and you know they have lots of you know games of chance and you know killing most people. Of the, most of the lethal. You know, uh, tank battles, and yeah, it's again, it's crazy. It's crazy this story, and then and finally the last sort of hurdle to get to Mega City Two. Oh, is, is the oh wait, let me let me see if I can find the actual name for them. Hold on, is the, the, the Legion, the Legion of the Damned? Yeah, it's robot the robot army. The robot army that formerly served the last president of the United States, President yep. the John Wilkes, the Presidential Iron Guard. The president, John Wilkes Booth, the man who pushed the button. Yep. And they're, like, all hiding out in the desert around California, apparently, not near Washington, where, you know, the president was. I don't understand that. But, uh... Reasons. Yeah, they got, reasons. They got, so they got to battle them, and then they got to break in, and they got to, uh... Uh, you know, they break in, they get the disease, they, they get the cure to them, so it's a pretty big, complicated story. It's, I guess, I didn't want to give too much detail, but this is, this is a good read, you know, so if you can get your hands on the Cursed Earth Saga, Judge Dread 2008, totally worth it, very over the top, again, very inspirational for any of your post-apocalyptic games you have going on. Uh, the, again, the, only thing, the only thing that's missing from that that's in the Cursed Earth is the Angel family. The Angel gang. Yes. Judge yeah, they encounter, they encounter them later in the Cursed Earth, but they were not in the Cursed Earth saga. Yes. Yeah, I think the Cursed Earth saga may be the first big time I remember Judge Dredd going into the Cursed Earth and making that a, a set piece of that world. Oh, yeah. Well, there's the Angel Gang, because you had Papa Angel, you had Fink, you had me and Mean Machine. And Link. And there's Link. Fink and Link. Link. I forgot about Link. I always remember... I remember uh, Fink, because he was this kind of ghoul-like, you know, kind of dude, and then of course Mean Machine, who was like a cyborg, and he had like he, you know, had this dial on his head to change how, how mean he was, you know, and the meaner he got, you know, <laughs> yeah, like a like a timer on an oven or something. He's gonna turn the dial on his head to be just how mean he's gonna be. That was yeah. great. It was classic, you know. Judge Dredd's very great. The whole Judge Dredd 2080. A lot of a lot of inspiration for Game World stuff there, you know, yeah. for that kind of campaign because it's very over the top, you know. And again, you take from it what you will because you know how it depends how Gonzo you want to be. Like, the, you know, the, the, the final thing I want to throw out about things that uh, you know uh, was inspired by um, Zelazny's uh, Damnation Alley is that um, apparently uh, one of the lead designers of um, uh, Fallout. Uh, Fallout New Vegas. Uh, Chris uh, Avalon, I guess that's how you pronounce his name, uh, has apparently said that some, uh, you know, things were inspired, like you know, in the earlier games, like the from the movie, like the Scorpions and all. But specifically, the DLC titled The Lonesome Road from Fallout New Vegas was inspired by Damnation Alley, particularly the part about the giant storms that go over the area. The way the uh, the Earth is all split apart into these chasms, and all the cities have sort of fallen down into these crevices and filled these crevices with buildings that are all turned the wrong angle because they've collapsed down into this uh, substrata. Uh, that that and was sort of inspired by uh, part of um, well, part of uh, uh, Zelazny's Damnation Alley. And I can, having played the DLC, I can I can see where they would have that would have been part of the inspiration. Certainly. It's nothing direct, but it is—it's close. 
you know, they're, they're, you can see where they're coming from there. But uh, that's that's it for Damnation Alley. That is Damnation Alley up, back, forwards, forwards and backwards, I think. Um, it has uh, it has made it to the movies. It has uh, been expanded into a novel. It has been it inspired a, a very successful classic comic book, and it's even barely inspired some um, some video games too, indirectly. Oh yeah, it's 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 definitely you know uh, again from one little book how much has uh, come out of that. I was just looking, folks, and apparently it looks like you could get uh, there's actually a Kindle version. Of the oh. Cursed Earth Saga, so there's a Kindle version of the Cursed Earth Saga uh, nice. out there. Plus, um, there's some paperback versions of that as well out there from different sellers. The original one that I have it looks like I see it for on sale for like thirty bucks, but it, you could get your hand. It looks like you could get your hands on it. So uh, probably, you know, if you did a little more digging, I'm sure you could uh, find it. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. but um, oh, oh, and there's one other thing. They actually made a novelization of the movie. So somewhere out there, apparently, is a novelization of Damnation Alley, the movie, that was not written by Roger Zelazny. Hmm. So, there. so there's a novelization of the movie of the book. Yep. Yep. That when they, when they uh, put it out, they... Uh, 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 when they put out the uh, novelization of the uh, movie, they just didn't reissue Damnation Alley. So there. Interesting. Yeah, and again, not a whole lot going on in the movie. <laughs> you know, so I don't know how yeah. interesting of a read that would be unless they added a lot of, uh, a lot of story. Oh, yeah. I am sure. So I there you go. So, so there you go, folks. Damnation Alley, again, a lot of influence in the apocalypse. We got books, we got movies, we got video game inspirations, we got graphic novel stuff. So again, from one little story, you get you get a lot out of that. So um, it's again good. You know, if you haven't read the book, short read. Um, if you have Amazon Prime, it is it is free to watch on Amazon Prime. I don't know if it's on Netflix because uh, I, I, I don't have Netflix anymore. So, but um, I know it's definitely on Amazon Prime. I want up. That's how I rewatched it last night because. Uh, Somebody didn't want to sit on the couch, and I don't blame her because her couch is uncomfortable. So it just uh, <laughs> so I was able to watch it in bed because I got a Roku box upstairs, so I was able to watch Amazon Prime up there. So um, it's good, and uh, so it's out there. You know, it's definitely worth a watch. Again, it's iconic, the Landmaster. You know, so it's good just for just for just for for that and seeing that vehicle in action. So. There you go. Uh, so that's it for us this week, folks. Damnation Alley. We've got two, two shows in a row, which is good. We want to try to make up some lost ground. Uh, we will try to... I'm just trying to think. I got my brother-in-law coming into town. I'm not sure when. Um, oh, next week. So, all right, so I'll be fine for two weeks, for a normal, normal two-week schedule. So. All right. So it'll be back in two weeks. Yeah, we'll be back in two weeks, you know, because I figure we'll, we'll, we're good for that. And uh, folks, we we don't know what we're gonna do yet. Uh, we might we might do another one of these because I I kind of like doing these. I kind of like doing the book, movie, and other inspiration uh, thing that we got going on here. It's kind of cool because we can talk about multiple medias and how they fall. You know, we were talking about doing possibly uh, doing the Postman because that's another one that the book and the novel. Whoa! Wait a second. Did you read the novel? <laughs> you know, yeah, just they go in completely different directions. Yeah, so uh, maybe we'll do that, or I don't know. We'll think. We'll, we'll, me and Scott will talk about it, uh, you know, during the week to see what we're going to do next. Not sure. 
Uh, we're going to do something specific or a broad topic. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe we'll talk. One of those things. One of the. I was thinking about it because uh, one of these things I always wanted to talk about, but I'd have to do a little more digging first so we could really talk on the subject is music. I don't know if we'll do that, but that's something I would like to try to talk about. Just post-apocalyptic music. Now, 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 Mr. Mr. Wallace, we did uh, cover triffids earlier. I don't know if we could really say anything else about triffids, but triffids is one of those things that's gone through a movie, a book, okay. and two different, ver two different versions of the TV series, and it's been a comic book. There well, was a day that... There has been a Day of the Triffids comic book as well. So Triffids is one that we could certainly take a... It would have to be a fairly short episode. We've hit Triffids before. I don't want to go too much over the same ground twice. But yeah. that's another one that's just been through multiple incarnations. You know, Because, yeah. again, it's such good material. Uh, they keep coming back to that well. Every, apparently everybody's afraid of killer plants, particularly yeah. when you're blind. And then, uh, you know, Survivors has done that. It was a novel. It was a, and, and it's now a radio. Oh, I, I, I got through all the, uh, I got through the entire Survivors uh, series one, uh, all four, hour, four, four parts, four hours of it. It's good. Uh, there's some familiar characters uh, that they bring in, and but it's like different stories with them, different things going on, and uh, it, it's good. And apparently, I was reading it had such a good, good reception that they're gonna put out. They already planned a second, uh, second part Good. to it, second series. Good. But again, next year, a year from now. But apparently, it's done so well they're going to do a third one already. Okay. So, because right. they do a lot of other stuff, you know, they have to put it into their schedule. So they plan on doing. Have to wait a whole fucking year for part uh, series two, which is going to come out next next uh, June. But then November, they're going to have part three coming out only like six months later because apparently it's so doing so well. Oh, so, I'm so glad I'll be able to hear it before I'm 50. That'll yeah, isn't that nice? I was like, I posted on their Facebook page. I'm like, i got to wait a year? It's like, we're working. We're writing it right now. And I'm like, oh, come on, guys. You can't of do things that. that people, yeah, speaking of things that people are, are waiting on that haven't written yet, I need to go and get back to work on Delta Green. So I will see you in the wasteland, sir. All right, so, again, folks, again, we will let you know what we're going to do. We will see you in two weeks, same uh, same mutant bat time, same <laughs> mutant bat channel. Thank you, and good night. Good night.